This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles. He's Greg, I'm Nick Cattles. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with, yes, Nick Cattles, brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens, your one-stop shopping for 75 high-quality vitamins to help you start your day right. Also, betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on sports. Of course, Greg, we have to get into the game against the Ravens, but first, the biggest story of the weekend, the biggest story of the week, that is Mac Jones's injury. It is a severe high ankle sprain, and apparently Jay Stu at Felgren Maz, he's hearing that the uh, team and the player are kind of of different opinions on how to handle this and move forward. I know Mike Giardi tweeted out this morning that Mac is going to get a second opinion. Uh, your thoughts on all of this? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a lot. I think it's an ongoing situation. Um, I think that what Mac had was a very severe injury. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, not having a fracture there, um, it can often be worse. It looked like, I mean, to me, to a layman and, you know, who's had some pretty severe ankle injuries in basketball in my career, it looked pretty bad that like he probably tore some, ligaments and uh, ligaments and tendons pretty good and um look he's he's a young kid who's going to have decisions to make and um i think if he would go in for surgery right now i think we're looking at anywhere probably two to four weeks uh in terms of that uh there's different procedures i'm sure you can listen to people there's some this tightrope procedure which started at alabama with Tua and Jalen Hurts, where they go in and they actually drill into the bone and basically put zip ties in there. Like it's, and it, it doesn't always pay off in the long run. There's a lot of pluses and minuses to it. Um, if you're, you're Mac Jones and you're thinking about somebody going into your leg and drilling holes into it, um, is that something that you really want? Is coming back for, say, four games earlier than I think if he didn't get surgery, I think we're looking at a six to eight week time frame. Is that really worth it for you at this stage in your career? And uh, I think I also think we need to talk about Nick. That I think that you have to look at the whole off season in context for Mac Jones and and what he's thinking right now. Right. Because and, and you also have to look at some of the Patriots' history, whether it's Rob Gronkowski with his elbow and all the injuries that he had, and you know some some of Tom Brady's decisions to get. Uh, do surgeries with his own guy, Neil Atterse out in California instead of the Patriots guys. Um, there have been guys who have made, I think Edelman did the same thing. There have been a lot of guys who, who have made decisions for themselves that I look, it's not unique to, to the Patriots. I'm not trying to say that um, there's a lot of distrust with players, with team medical personnel, uh, because who are they looking out for? Are they looking out for the team or the player? And I'm t- and again, this isn't about the Patriots. This is about the NFL in general. Uh, but I do think in terms of Mac Jones, say you're Mac Jones and you look at the team and you say, all right, have they, are they doing what's in the best interest for me? Have they done that in terms of the coaching around me, the personnel? I think things hit a hit ahead this weekend with, uh, the two picks, the third one, of course, there was a desperation play, but the two picks, I think that, and I'm sure we'll get into the plays themselves, but you know, if you're Mac Jones, that adds to the level of distrust with what's going on around you. And now are yep. you taking now, if, uh, if you're looking at, all right, 
So, so Josh McDaniels leaves. You give me Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick. You're not playing Kendrick Bourne. You're playing little little Jordan Humphrey. Um, I don't like the play calling. I don't like the game planning. I don't like you know what Devontae Parker did in the end zone. And now, after all that, I'm supposed to trust you on making the best medical decisions for me. Uh, hang on a second. I think I'm going to go get a second, maybe a third opinion so I can be more informed because you know what? I don't think listening to you guys and trusting you guys is actually working out for me. So I'm going to look out for myself. And I, I think that's where Mac Jones is at this point. This is why building a relationship and a partnership with a young quarterback is the most critical thing you have to do in the NFL. And we can sit back and we can look at the last few months and you and I, this is not hindsight 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, you and I talked about this plenty of times in the off season, Greg, the idea of, are you setting up Mac Jones to succeed or fail? And when you look across the NFL, it's fascinating to see how different regimes and different franchises handle their young quarterbacks. You look at Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence playing much better this year, right? Better coaching staff around him than last year. Some better talent around him. Doug Peterson, who is an experienced offensive play caller, who's being involved with the offense and, and being the guy calling the shots there down in Jacksonville now after Urban Meyer's disaster. And Jacksonville looks like they've taken a step forward and Trevor Lawrence is playing much better football. You look at Justin Fields, some questions about his progression. He's going through his second coach already, his second play caller already. The fact that Chicago is running the football a ton and not necessarily putting much in the hands of Justin Fields, and he's not playing that well. Is that on him? Is that on the team? Trey Lance was struggling before he got his injury. Kyle Shanahan went into game two of this season. 15 play calls before the Trey Lance injury, and 12 of those play calls were runs. Three of them passes. Did not look like the coach actually trusted or believed in the quarterback that he had out there. How do you handle, you know, you have talent. That's one thing, but how do you handle that talent? And Mac might be looking around saying, I don't quite trust this system right now. I, and I don't know if that's it, but I'm sure he's not super pumped about how yeah. this thing has gone here this season. And I'm sure he wasn't thrilled no matter what he said during the off season. And now, yeah, I mean, if you start to have those doubts creep in and then you start talking about your physical well-being, that's an even bigger question. And, you know, when you when you look at this team without Mac Jones, because we'll get into some of the specifics you just mentioned a moment ago. When you look at Mac Jones being out, let's say he's out for the next four games, Greg does this team have a chance to win some games here? And, and what should we expect as far as performance goes with Brian Hoyer instead of Mac being the quarterback? Okay. Uh, you know, on Brian Hoyer, um, here are the positives and negatives. Uh, the positives are um, he's extremely experienced, um, you know, in various schemes, whatever the Patriots going to call, he, he knows how to run it. He knows how to get in and out of plays. He knows how to lead the group. Um, you know, that's pretty seamless. I do think that he has a really good arm. I don't, I think he's always had a really good arm. Um, he throws a pretty good deep ball so they can continue um, a lot of that stuff. If the defense presents that um, I think that, you know, watching this summer when Brian Hoyer got chances and he didn't get a ton of chances because I think this summer was more about, 
getting Mac app acclimated to the new offense and then also seeing what Bailey Zappi had. I mean, they know what they have in Brian Hoyer. They didn't need to see a lot. But when he did rep, whether it was in the preseason games or in practice, I thought Brian had an excellent summer. I mean, there were a lot of days where you're like, uh, he's running this offense better than Mac is in terms of timing, getting the ball out, being more decisive, snaps on throws, things like that. So, you know, those are the positives with Brian. And and I've always been a Brian Hoyer fan. Um, but there are big negatives with Brian Hoyer. And the last time he started a game, the Chiefs, um, when Cam Newton was out with COVID in 2020, they had a chance to upset the Chiefs in Kansas City. And largely because Brian Hoyer completely melted down before the end of the first half, um, that cost them a chance to do that. And and that's what you yep. get with Brian Hoyer. The big minuses are um, when it comes to crunch time, when it comes to pressure and pressure situations, he doesn't have the best track record. And, you know, also he he does this thing where he pats the ball before he throws. And if if everything's not in sync, players can jump his passes and, and pick them off because th- there will be stretches where he looks brilliant, but there will be stretches where you're like, holy cow, I don't know how they're going to move the ball. And so there's there's big pluses and minuses. But in terms of the team, look, I don't think much should change. I mean, it's not like – I always thought that they were going to start one and three. And the Packers game, okay, give it to the Packers. But then, like, yes, is Detroit spunkier? Yeah. And and a lot of the teams that are coming up, are, are do they look a little bit better and competent? Sure. Um but the Patriots should win. They need to win the next four games after starting one and three. They should do that to sort of set themselves up. And not having Mac Jones shouldn't make – if you have a, a good team, you know, and you have good coaching, the Patriots should be able to do it. They did it without Tom Brady in 2008. Um, there's no excuse for them not to play winning football now that Mac Jones is out. And if it, if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to make excuses for Bill Belichick. He, he put himself in this situation – they need to play winning football. And to me, I think the Detroit game is huge. The Matt Patricia Bowl is basically going to be the season. If they start <laughs> one and three, you know, that they have to win that game at home against Patricia's former team with against Jared Goff and everything. And they're, they're probably not going to have Swift, their best running back, who's going to be out. The Patriots have to win that game. If they don't win that game, look out. You know, when you look at the schedule and the coaching has me shook, most of all, of course, on the offensive side. And and we'll get deeper into that when we talk about the Ravens game. But they have a legitimate shot, even with Brian Hoyer, to win three out of the next five, four out of the next five. And, And I think you and I agree the Packers game doesn't look great for them. You've got to travel to Lambeau. You're without Mac. You're going against Aaron Rodgers. Packers offense hasn't been spectacular, but their defense is good. Aaron Jones is tough. And of course you've got Aaron Rodgers, but just look at the quarterbacks, you know, after next week's game, right? After you play the Packers in green Bay. Yeah. You have Brian Hoyer, but you're going against Jared Goff. Jared Goff is, is no great shakes. You have Hoyer, but you're going against Jacoby Brissett and the Browns. You have Hoyer, but you're going against Justin Fields. And I just told you the bears offense has been a disaster so far this season, much worse than the Patriots. You've got Hoyer, but you might be going against, if you have Hoyer in this game, you're going against Zach Wilson and the Jets, Zach Wilson coming off of his own injury. So it's mm-hmm. not like you're going against a murderer's row of quarterbacks. If you were going to lose Mac Jones for a four or five game period, Greg, 
the Patriots got incredibly lucky because this is actually the exact spot that you can survive without him because of these games that you've gotten the quarterbacks that you're facing play defense, run the football, limit your mistakes. And you've got a chance before we get into the uh, Ravens game, Greg, tell the fine people listening to this podcast about our friends at athletic greens. I started taking HE1 because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional supplements I needed in one place. I got sick of buying multiple bottles and pills and all this stuff, and now I've been on it for two and a half months, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. I know green water, you know, green liquid, you're like, I don't want to taste that. It's, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, it's got a mild tropical taste, a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. It's now part of my routine, and I'd be lost without it. I love how it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. B-E-D-A-R-D, Bedard, athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. All right, let's get into this Ravens game, Greg. Uh, Let's start with Mac Jones. Before we talk about some of the specific plays that people got upset about, and you can surely understand why some of the picks and stuff, let's talk about the analytics, right? What did the analytics tell us about Mac's performance on Sunday? Yeah. So, um, you know, before we get into the analytics, I just want to say that um, for about two and a half, almost three quarters on Sunday, like, you know, when I go through my game film review and I look down pluses and minuses, I thought, I thought Mac was having a sensational game. Um, You know, now, now down the stretch, there were some problematic plays. He also pulled some plays out of his rear end. Uh, to bail out the coaching, but I thought, I thought Mac was sensational. And what's interesting is that um, the next gen stats sort of backed that up that in this game, based on their stats and their tracking and, you know, however they do it in terms of separation and our guys open and stuff, Mac Jones's expected completion percentage in this game was only 58.5%. That's the second lowest in his career. So basically you know, what they're saying is there wasn't much schemed open for Mac Jones in this game, that there was a lot of tight coverage. Um, You know, it was a, it was a tough situation for him to throw his real completion percentage was over 10, 10 points higher than that, which just tells you how good he was playing. I mean, that was the third best mark of his career. And that's a week after he had the third worst performance of his career in terms of, um, you know, completion percentage over expected. So to me, that was a real good sign. It backed up what I was seeing on film. I thought Mac uh, was really good. And, you know, and then you can get into, you know, the interceptions. Um, I thought that 
you know, look, at the end of the day, is the quarterback responsible for taking care of the ball? Yes. And and did I did I give him minus plays for the first interception? I split the second one between Devontae. But just for a quick second, I just want to talk about the two plays. So and why I don't completely blame Mac Jones. So the first play, if you guys remember, they run play action for one of the first times. They they don't do it all that often anymore. And so they ran play action. Mac turned around, thought he had Devontae Parker wide open. He didn't see the linebacker probably behind the line. And the linebacker came in and picked it off. Now, here's why I don't completely blame Mac Jones. When you call play action, it's the play caller offensive coordinator's duty to make it as effective as possible. And you do that by setting it up earlier in the game. Basically, what you do is you run the same play, but on a handoff. And hopefully it's an effective handoff. And so basically what you're trying to do, you're trying to get the linebackers who are seeing this play. So the first time they're like, oh, man, I was too late to the hole getting there for the run. Next time I see this, I'm going to be quicker. So you, you, you dress it up the same way. Same personnel, same formation, same run action in terms of how you're handing the ball off. So the Patriots on the interception play, they ran a Kyle Shanahan staple. Stretch, play action, boot, throw. It's it, They had been working on it all summer. We had never seen it before in a game. And they never ran stretch. They never ran a stretch running play earlier in the game. They ran one wide zone play. It was to the other side. It was different personnel. It wasn't the same look. So predictably, when the when the Patriots go through the play fake on the interception, the linebackers don't even go towards the line of scrimmage. They go to their drop even before Mac Jones is done with his play action. And so to me, that's a coaching fail. You did not set up the player. You did not set up that play to help the player, and you need to do that. It's a deceptive play. There was no deception the way the Patriots, uh, the way the Patriots ran through that play. And on the Devontae Parker play, I think that you know it was quite evident. If you're watching on TV, you saw Mac Jones. They showed you after the play. He's sitting on the bench and he screams, "That's effing cover four. Another bleep. He throws his water bottle. What you didn't see was at that time, Mac Jones walked from the bench all the way to the other side, stood steaming behind the defense, came back, sat on the defensive bench, didn't go back to the offensive bench and where the quarterback sit, sat by himself, continuing to steam. And what's supposed to happen on that play, because Mac Jones is right, the Ravens were in cover four. And Devontae Parker needs to run up on the cornerback and break to the outside, which is where Mac Jones threw the ball. Devontae Parker ran straight up, got out muscled by the cornerback, turned inside, and that's how the interception happened. Now, you could make the argument that Mac Jones needs to throw the ball away there. You might be right, but I'm just trying to give you insight into how Mac Jones is looking at this, and I don't think he's incorrect to look at things that way. I thought it was a bad decision to chuck it up. Uh, you know, even if Devonte ran the route and, and ran the play the way it was supposed to be run, I still think it's way too risky in that spot. Thought it was a bad decision by Mac, but you know, you might not have the results if, if things are run the right way and Devonte does the right thing. So I think you're correct, Greg, kind of splitting that up and looking at that interception as, you know, partially to blame on Parker as it is on, on Jones, as you were talking, like, this is not an epiphany. 
but it's one of the first times I kind of thought of this and it's, it's crazy. Like Mac Jones knows more about offense than his entire offensive staff. He's a second year quarterback in the NFL and he knows more than Matt Patricia knows. Mm -hmm. He knows more than what Joe judge knows. He understands, you know, defenses and adjusting the defenses and, and trying to catch them off guard. Just think about that for a minute. Like think about how he has been set up. <laughs> he, he's, he's got a defensive coordinator as an offensive coordinator. He's got a special teams coordinator as a quarterback's coach. He's got wide receivers doing the wrong thing on the, on, on, on certain plays. He's got, you know, his defensive coordinator, now offensive coordinator, not necessarily calling the sequence of plays that you should call. And, and I have a couple of things that I want to mention about Patricia a little bit later on, but just kind of soak that in for a minute, truly appreciate what Mac Jones is going through right now. Put yourself in his cleats. And I'm not telling you that you absolve him of all the mistakes, but man, he's been given one crappy hand and you can see some of that playing out. And, and I get the tweets and I'm sure Greg, you get the tweets. When are we going to say when Mac Jones stinks? When are we going to talk about how he makes bad decisions? He's just not a good quarterback. How good was he last year? I thought it was pretty damn good in his rookie season. What's the difference between last year and this year? Coaching staff, folks. It ain't Mac. It's coaching staff. Um, let's get to one of the things about this offense. And this drives me bat bleep crazy. Yep. LJ Humphrey. Uh, second most snaps at the wide receiver position uh, in the game on Sunday. I remind people that literally just over two weeks ago, this guy was promoted to the main roster and he's getting now the second most snaps at the wide receiver position. And people keep telling me, yeah, but he can block. Okay, great. He, he's a better run blocker than Kendrick Bourne. What in the blue hell is he doing for your quarterback in this passing offense? Uh, zero. He's doing nothing, Greg. Please try to explain this to me. And I'm probably putting you in a terrible spot, a very difficult spot, but what are we doing with LJ Humphrey? What, what is happening with this wide receiver situation and the breakdown of snaps? Yeah, I've, I've had it with this. Um, <laughs> it's, and I explained it. Um, I think it was, was it last game or two where I explained it to people that, you know, about, look, the bottom line is this, this is what you get when you have defensive coaches coaching offense. These are the same guys that try to sell you that Jelani Tavai is a good football player. And because he gets a couple of unblocked pressures like that justifies their decision. You know, just think of all the all the middling defensive players that have played some sort of specific role here that people get all worked up about. Like that's what they're doing. That's what they have now brought to the offense like that. They they think that. This gives them an advantage. And does it? Yes. In, but they're, they're winning battles, but they're losing the war, and they have no idea what's going on. They have completely lost sight of the big picture. They think this is 1995 and that a lot of people are running the ball and it's going to be a lot of games in the teens and the 20s where you're going up against Lamar Jackson. Like, what good does it have – having a wide receiver who blocks really well like what what are we doing here and they <laughs> they just they have completely lost the big picture where you know every other team is trying to figure out how to stuff their the, the play the playing field for their quarterback with playmakers and the patriots are putting 
a blocking wide receiver on the field for like 85% of the snaps. It's ridiculous. And if the, if you think this is the way that you need to win games, like you're going to lose more than you win. And here, here's the other thing that drives me crazy. And this is what these coaches believe this stuff. They believe that their decisions are what wins and loses games for the Patriots. And I, I'll just give you an example, a couple examples. Matt Patricia goes to Detroit, and in his first team meeting, he he tells the team basically, you guys suck, and, you know, you MFers don't, you don't know what you're doing. I've won six Super Bowl titles. I'm going to show you how things are done. All right? <laughs> and this is the same guy who said, who deflected criticism by saying late game criticism of the lions by saying, I'm pretty sure that I have one of the best plays in Super Bowl history in terms of a Malcolm Butler interception. Like, <laughs> no, it's players that win games. Belichick says that stuff, but I don't think any of these guys believe it that you're taking LJ Humphrey being on the field over their playmakers, over getting the ball to Hunter Henry or John U. Smith or what have you, or Kendrick Bourne, these guys have completely missed the big picture and it's part of the reason why they where they are on offense at this point if you're going to use a big blocking wide receiver because you want your wide receiver to run block why don't you just go to two tight ends and run a two tight end offense and utilize your bigger guys i i just it's 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 so frustrating to watch some of this stuff. It what drove me crazy on Sunday because people will people will look at that and say, "Oh, the offense was more productive and they scored more points." And you and I have been pretty dead on so far the first three games as far as how yep. they were going to be played, what was going to happen. And we said it last week: the Ravens are going to win because they have the more explosive offense, they have the more explosive quarterback, the Lamar Jackson difference. And that's going to be the end all be all. And in the second half, they couldn't stop Lamar Jackson from running with the football, which is priority number one. When you play against Lamar freaking Jackson, you also don't blitz as many times as they blitzed. When I said on the podcast last week, Hey, guess what? Lamar Jackson absolutely roasts blitzes. And I saw a statistic from ESPN stats and info. Lamar Jackson was nine of 10 on Sunday against the blitz with four of his touchdowns. Like this is this is stuff that you can you can find out just being on Twitter for the love of God. The thing about Matt Patricia that drove me nuts, Greg, the most on Sunday, and I want your thoughts on some of this stuff. The play calls, the situational play calls, the the third and nine. You're going to run the football, get six yards. I'm fine with that if you're going to run a play on fourth, which they did. Hated the play call on fourth and three. Hated the play call later on in the game, fourth and inches. Uh, out of a timeout, by the way, you took a timeout. Went to the sidelines, came back, trash play that didn't work. Didn't have a chance in hell to work. And then you had the two-point attempt, which I thought was one of the most hilarious play calls I've ever seen in my life to Ramondre Stevenson. The situational play calls and Matt Patricia dry-humping throws in the flat is driving <laughs> me insane. If I see another pass behind the line of scrimmage to a running back – or another pass in the red area in the flat to a running back. When you have Hunter Henry and John o. Smith, I'm going to throw my remote control through the television screen. And I bought a pretty expensive TV when I moved out here to Sacramento. It, it, that's the stuff that's driving me nuts, man. And I know you can't explain it as far as why they do it because there's no explanation, but 
do you agree with me? Your, your thoughts on some of these situational play calls and these throws in the flat. Yeah, I, I think that I, I do see on film like what Matt Patricia is going for um, on these, um, you know, but the Ravens were a step ahead of the Patriots all day in terms of what they wanted to do. Um, there was a, uh, you know, that before the Devontae Parker interception, uh, there was a, you know, throwing a flat at the flat that went for minus four yards. And on that play, if I recall correctly, that's they had Johnny Smith going in like cool, play, you know, run action behind the quarterback. And like this was a specific play and the Ravens completely had it snuffed out. They had numbers on both sides of the line to take care of the Patriots and the Mac, Mac Jones had no choice but to check the ball down. Uh, the, the fourth down play, similar thing. They were trying to run a rub route uh, where Devontae Parker goes up the field and, and gets a pick. But the problem was the Ravens switched and completely snuffed it out and didn't leave anything. You see time and time again, you see plays like this where uh, Matt Patricia has an idea, thinks this is going to work, and the other team is just one step ahead. And again, this goes back to setting things up earlier in the game and uh yeah i could i completely agree with you i think that um some of the situational stuff has has really cost them and i just look i understand people are going to talk about like oh they were really close in the fourth quarter and things like that and and you know but the way i read this game i thought lamar jackson completely toyed with the patriots i thought that whenever he needed a play whenever he needed a drive he got it normally pretty easily and I think that a lot of the offensive stuff, the production, while great to see, I think this was a, a one-off. I don't think the Ravens are very good on defense. I think they're young defensive coordinators over, uh, over his head big time. And I think the Patriots, Mac Jones did a good job exploiting some matchups early when the Ravens were more man coverage. And this kid, Brandon Stevens, they didn't want to go up Marlon Humphrey, didn't want to go up Marcus Peters. Wherever Brandon Stevens was, and for some reason they made the choice to put Stevens on Parker, um, they went after him. And then once the, once the Ravens went to more zones, more matchup zone, and they put Humphrey on Parker, the offense had a really tough time. I don't think, you know, I think one thing definitely has to do with the other. I actually felt better about this team. It might not sound like it as I crushed the coaching from Patricia, but I actually felt better about them coming out of the game aside from the Mac Jones injury. You know, you look back and, and Miami looks pretty damn legit after beating Buffalo. You played Miami tight down in Miami week one. Uh, you, you won week two in a game that we knew was going to be kind of ugly. But coming out of that game against Pittsburgh, the way that Max struggled and some of the decisions we saw, you know, it was great to see him have a really good two and a half quarters. I, I thought he was excellent in the first you know half. And I, I thought he was good, as you mentioned, through the first like half of the third quarter. And I felt like, okay, well, this team can hang around, you know, if they, I mean, with all, with all fairness, they did turn the football over what four times. So it, they still had a chance to win after turning the ball over three or four times against the Ravens. I think this team is good enough to hang around and, and play against teams, most of the NFL, you know, but when you go against teams like the bills and these better teams, these, these more explosive offenses, makes life really, really difficult when you turn the football over and when you have your offensive coordinator not making the right situational play calls. And, and when you go for it on fourth down, you don't get it. It's a killer. You know, when you go for two and you have no chance at getting it, it's a killer. So it, it, to me, it was a lot of like smaller mistakes that could have been corrected 
and maybe they win this game. So I actually felt a little better about them coming out, but you know, look, the coaching staff is still a, a major issue. And until I see like significant changes from Matt Patricia, I'm not going to feel confident about this team consistently scoring in, in the, in the mid twenties. And I think Greg is right earlier when he said, you know, you've got to score in this NFL. You have to, you're not going to win games consistently scoring 20 points, 23 points. You've got to get mid to high twenties. If you want to battle these teams, you know, that, that are in the AFC. So we'll see again. I, I think if they can kind of hold their water, get Mac back, uh, they can compete. They can compete, but are they a contender? No, they're not a contender. Are, are they, you know, uh, are they going to battle for the division? Not with Buffalo and Miami, not right now. They, they, they need a lot more. They need better coaching. And I think they need even more talent. Um, be, before we get to the three up, three down, uh, let's get to bet online, Greg. Football is back and bet online is your number one source for all your football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest odds news and game matchups including this week's packers patriots game bet online is your continued source for all your wagering information including live betting free contests and live scores always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events including mlb mma tennis boxing and even golf head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit make sure to use your promo code clns50 to receive your rewards, bet online where the game starts. All right, before we get to three up, three down, just want to make a quick point here about the defense. I think the defense has played pretty well. Obviously, they got gashed by Lamar Jackson, but that's it's a very difficult uh, situation to be in. And Lamar is one of the only guys, if not the only guy in the league that can do what he did on Sunday. Uh, so how do you think, because we haven't talked about the defense that much, how do you think, like I said, Lamar gashed him? But how do you think they've played overall through the first three weeks? And, and do you think this defense is something that they can try to hang their hat on with Hoyer, you know, being the starting quarterback? I think overall, um, on a down-to-down basis, I think they've done pretty well. Um, you know, I haven't really been disappointed in the defense. I will, you know, I will say in this game, look, we talked about it going into the game. You had two objectives in this game for the defense make Lamar beat you with his arm, um, which he can do. And we talked about that. He's much better now. He's, he's sensational. He really is. Some of the throws he made the Duvernay touchdown. I mean, we're just ridiculous. Um, yeah, but you'd rather you, you, the plays that hurt them were Lamar Jackson on the ground. Those were the biggest plays in the game. And I don't think that they had a good plan and they didn't execute well, keeping him limited on the ground. And then also take away Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews had a great game. And so it's disappointing that they weren't able to do those two things. And I do think, you know, we need to bring up real quick because I got to get rolling here pretty soon to go to Felger and Maz. But um, I think that, you know, I watched Bill Belichick this entire game. All he did was coach offense in this game. Not once did he go over and talk with Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo or go to the defensive uh, players and say, all right, remember, you know, how, how many times we saw in film, there's Bill with the defense basically like saying like, all you need to do is this and, you know, we win the game. There was none of that. He's too invested. He's too invested on the offensive side. They need too much help. And I do think not having Bill available to them as much as they normally do, I think cost them and probably was responsible for, you know, the, the, the Ravens gashing them at times. 
I think Kyle Duggar could have helped them too uh, yep. on Jackson. He, you know, his athleticism, his ability to downhill tackle. We mentioned that before the game uh, last week and also his ability to maybe, you know, mess with Mark Andrews a little bit. I think Duggar would have helped them a little. I don't think it would have been, you know, the difference in the game, but I, I do think he would have helped them a, a decent amount. Three up, three down quickly before you get to Tony and uh, Mike have to drive out to those, those guys. That'll, that should be fun for you. Uh, yep. Let's start with uh, three up, Greg. Uh, my three up, Ramondre Stevenson. I thought he was sensational, and I think he needs more He's touches. Good, especially man. Get him the football more. In, especially in the red zone. Can you just line up and go under center and just try to blast people instead of throwing these stupid flat passes? Stop throwing the running backs in the flats. Let them do what they do well. Uh, I thought Matthew Judon was tremendous. I do not have Dietrich Wise on my three up, even though we saw the impactful plays. You know, he was going against the fourth tackle. And he did have some issues in the running game. And uh, Devontae Parker, uh, of course, you know, great production in this game. I'll add one guy, Jonathan Jones. I think he's been really yep. good. Like we, we mm -hmm. talk about J.C. Jackson and the idea of him gone and Jalen Mills being the number one outside corner. Belichick had something up the sleeve with Jonathan Jones of pushing him to the outside. And, and I'd be very interested to see if Marcus Jones can push Miles Bryant. And if you get him out there with his athleticism, this secondary could could be pretty athletic and pretty good in the second half of the season. Three down, Greg. Uh, Mac Wilson, I thought he was. Um, I thought he was not good in this game. I thought he had issues on the running game. He's running all he over had, the place. Yeah, he didn't know where he was going. He was late. He was. Uh, he was probably if you're looking for one guy most responsible for Lamar Jackson going off, it would be Mac Wilson. Um, Cole Strange had a tough game in this one. I, I, you know, look, I'm not, it's, he's not horrible or anything. I'm certainly not saying, Oh, he's over his head and no, he's, he's fine. He's where he is, should be at a rookie, but this is the type of game against a big defensive line, Calais Campbell, Michael Pierce, um, you know, all the guys that they have there and some of the blitzes they bring up, you knew this was going to be a challenge. He led the team. He gave up four and a half pressures, had some tough plays in the run game. Um, you know, wasn't, He's had two rough games in a row. I'm, I'm not overly alarmed. And the third one is Jalen Mills. I don't think he has been good. I think some of his technique has been very questionable. And thank God, as you're right, Jonathan Jones has stepped up. Jonathan Jones is one of my favorite guys to watch on film now. And uh, I think he's been sensational so far. Never been a Mills guy. Continue to not be a Mills guy. Uh, I'll throw Nelson Aguilar in there. Don't fumble the damn football. I mean, that, that play yeah. was a backbreaker. You got to hold on to the ball, Nelson. Uh, let's get to the uh, BSJ member question of the day. $39.99 on the annual plan. Get all of the latest in Boston sports. Get the coaches film from Greg as he breaks that down. Also chats. Uh, what's the member question of the day, Greg? Uh, nobody is specific, but, um, you know, I am getting questions about, like, what's going on with Christian Barmore. I did think Barmore had a good game, but I just wanted to point out to people real quick that he's getting double teamed a lot more this year. Um, he's getting a lot more attention last year. He snuck up on people. I think people realize how good he is and, and he has not been bad. He's been quiet, but yeah, I mean, if this defense is going to be anything, if they're going to be dominating, help win some games for this team, Barmore has got to be more dominating and he has yet to be so far three games in. I would agree with that. He's Greg. I'm Nick. Greg Bedard, Patriots podcast. Nick Cattles brought to you by athletic greens and also our friends at BetOnline.com. AG back later this week to preview Packers Patriots till then be good be safe and be healthy